Our reading is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the words of our next hymn echo the amazing description of God that we've just heard in that wonderful passage. So let's sing of how great is our God. Father, we ask that you will inspire us again with your word, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us. Amen. For some years, I was very happy and content to understand that God loved me, that Jesus had died for me, and that my responsibility was to deepen my understanding of the scriptures. I had no real understanding of mission and felt that I'd clearly not been given the gift of an evangelist. So while I participated in events, and I even tried to tell others about Jesus, it was pretty half-hearted. I assumed spreading the word of Christ's love for those, was for those who were either slightly strange a little bit fanatical, or frankly, a bit mad. Or those who had some deep spiritual understanding and gift that had escaped me. I went to church, I tried to be good, and I didn't know what else anyone else could expect. I was too busy to allow the God of all love and grace to seep deep into my soul, let alone overflow from my life into others. And then, through circumstances, I was forced to stop. All that was left to me was to pray and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to me. 
And slowly, I found that God was there in the darkness and the difficulty. God was showing me a depth of love and life that I had never comprehended. Through the gentleness and grace of others, I found the radical hospitality of God. I found that it wasn't waiting to trip me up. It wasn't condemning me for stuff I hadn't or had done. Stuff that I thought might actually be too much for God to forgive. This was God that loved me when I could do nothing and when I felt helpless. I found God was so much bigger than I'd ever understood and that Jesus really had paid the price for me. I found I was accepted and forgiven. I understood finally what it was to be adopted as a child of God, a friend of Jesus. Suddenly, I was finding it difficult not to tell people how wonderful God was. Suddenly, there was nothing more important than showing God's love to anyone and everyone. And I wonder if the writer of this passage in Ephesians had a similar experience. This is an extravagant, amazing love song of wonder about God. You can feel the excitement of the writer as he describes and tries to encapsulate what he's found. He can hardly contain his praise. It's about God's love brought to us by Jesus and interpreted by the Holy Spirit, overflowing out of us into our community. This writer is so bowled over by what God has done through Jesus Christ, he simply can't help himself. In these opening verses of Ephesians, we're given fresh insight into what it means when we talk about Jesus with us. We're taken far from the story of the nativity and beyond the cosy comforts of the stable angels and wise men. In these verses, it's as if the view is lifted up. Suddenly, we can see from the far edges of the cosmos and we can see that in Christ, we've been given a part in God's eternal plan and we're swept up with the writer into a hymn of praise to God. This is a lavish and abandoned song of wonder. The message translation talks of abundant freedom. In Jesus, everything changed. Relationship with the God of creation is possible. And because of Christ, God meets us in our daily lives. God showed himself in Jesus Christ as the God of love, grace, forgiveness, redemption and unity. He became part of human history and has extended the invitation to be part of the expression of his love for the world to all of us. Salvation was not half-hearted. This was a once-for-all time. The expression with every spiritual blessing highlights the completeness of what Jesus did on the cross. There is nothing that you cannot bring to the light of Christ. There is nothing you cannot talk to him about. You never need to feel that you are less of a Christian than anyone else. Because the truth is, Jesus has paid the price for you. 
You are a child of God. Unlike human benefactors, God has blessed us completely. Again, in the message, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what it is we're living for. Belief in the risen Christ enables us to reach out with compassion and freedom. It's the only way to discover our true identity. God's plan to redeem humanity was there before the foundation of the world. Those who come to believe in Christ find themselves participating in God's eternal plan. Christ's death is what makes redemption, God's free gift to believers, a reality. God is not simply ruler of the universe. God is father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we are adopted, of us too. Ephesians begins with the ongoing present life of Christ, the risen Christ exalted in heavenly glory. It's the end result of the incarnation that we talked so much about at Christmas. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, the signs of God's favour, a spiritual blessing, forgiveness of our sins, and most important, adoption as God's people. The spiritual blessings that have been won on the cross are for all people. We're giving a vision in Ephesians of God who is active in all of creation. Ephesians points us to a further movement beyond awe and praise, that of discipleship. Holiness is a way of life that responds to the God that is revealed in creation. So what is our response to this? Well, we could thank God for our own salvation and leave it at that. Or we can be so filled with God's love and excited by the grace that extends to all that we want to reach others. We could use the map process to ask God where his priorities are for St. Matthew's. Is there an area where we could use the abundance of grace and love that God has shown to us? There is a risk that we'll get it wrong. We will make mistakes. And I think we need to be realistic about that. But there's no disgrace in making a mistake, only in using it as an excuse for failing to try again. When I first went to Israel, I was working with women from the Bedouin tribe. These still remain a nomadic people who refuse to conform to our standards of life. They can be difficult and wary as their culture clashes with what we would think of as our accepted norms. They often have little or no access to running water. And as a midwife who had trained in sunny Berkshire, I was used to people who washed mostly, at least daily, To be honest, I found it hard to be too close to some of the Bedouin women. They had been harshly treated, even by Jewish standards in Israel, and were suspicious and wary of us. I thought they might be a little grateful for all the care we gave them, but often they'd just disappear when you weren't looking, without even a thank you. I told an older, much more experienced missionary how difficult I found these women, and he, bless him, didn't help me off my arrogance and narrow-mindedness, but gently suggested I ask Jesus 
to show me how much he loved these people. It was one of the most difficult and humbling prayers I've ever prayed. I realised I had missed the point. The God who was there at creation was calling to the people he loved. Gradually, I began to understand something of the vastness and width and depth of the love of God. I am not super spiritual. I often get things wrong. I'm much too introverted to be an evangelist. Don't think I have access to any spiritual gifts that you don't. But what I have realised is that it's not about what tradition we are from, or about where our loyalties lie, or which part of the church we identify with, whether we're professionals or not, whether we're retired, whether we're in or out of work, able-bodied or not, or where we live. It's about whether we allow the God of surprises into our lives to transform us, and through us, to transform others. It's about understanding and practicing a radical hospitality that embraces others, those who are different to us, those whose practices we might find unusual or difficult. This passage draws us to the understanding that Christ didn't come for a special few educated people. This, the incarnated God, came for everyone We need to open doors and walls of our church to welcome strangers and those that may hold different understandings to ourselves. This news, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of Christ, isn't something that was ever meant to be a private affair. It's for our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, our relatives, and for people we've never met and with whom we have nothing in common. This love is so big, it was never meant to be contained in churches. But to pour out of our churches into our community, our whole lives can be an expression of God's abundant and incredible love. Love that sought us out and adopted us into his family. It's not and never has been about who's in and who's out but about laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters, whether they are easy to be with or not. You may feel that you're far too broken and empty to reach out to others, and clearly there are times in our lives when it's right to allow others to minister to us. But let me reassure you that it's out of brokenness and emptiness that the Holy Spirit can minister to others. There is a story, which may be apocryphal, about Nicky Gumbel on the first ever We Alpha weekend away. On the Saturday night, the night before Nicky planned to invite down the Holy Spirit and hopeful to see radical transformation, the participants he'd taken away disappeared down to the pub. They rolled back in quite a state, much the worse for wear. Nicky was in despair unsure what to do, and felt he was looking down the barrel of a loaded gun into failure. But his wife, Pippa, reminded him that it must have looked pretty much like all had failed the night Jesus was crucified. It is out of apparent failure that God can work his most amazing miracles. Of course, we all know how successful the Alpha Course has become, 
and how many lives have been changed because of it. Don't believe your inner voices when they tell you it's worthless, there's no point, you've never brought anyone to Christ and it's not going to happen now. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to do something a little bit different now. Just to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. God who has chosen you, died for you, who has sought you out, wants to spend some time with you. What are God's dreams for you, for Southcote? What if there were no restrictions? What would the God of love and grace be saying to you? What if you and the Holy Spirit could do anything at all? Imagine no walls, no financial restrictions, no doors to stop Jesus bringing his kingdom to Southcote. What would that look like? As we sing our next song, and over the coming week, ask Jesus to confirm what he's put on your heart. It may be that between us, we've just understood something of God's dream for Southcote. You may want to let us know what God has said by filling in the mission action plan, or even drawing us a picture. God always speaks to me in pictures. Don't worry if it doesn't necessarily make any sense to you. It may be that each of us only sees a part. Often we need each other to see the whole.